Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 2 of Jesus and Justice where we are discussing a biblical response to racism and racial prejudice in a post-slavery age. And this is talking about it in my immediate context in America, but we definitely have not only a local mindset, but a global mindset on seeking justice for all peoples. Uh, This podcast came about, in case you haven't listened to episode one before you listen to this, this one, and it's okay if you listen to them out of order, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode one where we talked about doing justice. Uh, But this podcast came about in response to events that happened with Ahmaud Arbery, who was in a neighborhood, and two of the men who lived in that neighborhood, two white men, decided to take matters into their own hands and to um, take his life from him. Um, And recently, I heard that they were uh, arrested and that the police officers finally did put them in prison. Um, But I want to remind you that they were arrested because we saw the video. Um, The peoples and the governing authorities in that area knew about this event way before it happened. This happened back in February, if I'm remembering correctly, and they weren't arrested until May. So just kind of let that sink in about how some governing authorities believe justice should be played out. Um, And this week, Uh, You've probably seen on your social media, on TV, a similar event pertaining to the death of George Floyd, where a police officer kneeled on his neck until he uh, was lifeless, until he died. So that those types of events, um, I think I was first introduced to this. This sin and this wickedness in our land with the Trayvon Martin case, if you can think back to that. Um, when he was shot because the, another man um, said that he was scared. And even though the police officers that he called told him not to pursue him and he did anyway, he shot Trayvon Martin, killed him, and he was um, found not guilty because of a stand your ground law. So that is the, the country that we live in. Um, And a lot of people, again, there are a lot of responses to these types of actions. A lot of people respond with anger. A lot of people have a lot of different responses, but I think it's important that we as Christians, that we look at a biblical response to racism and racial prejudices in a post-slavery age. And so we've been doing that by reading Micah 6, Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And I'll read it again. It says, with what shall I come before the Lord? And bow myself before God on high. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And so we talked about last time that a lot of us can be filled with religion, and yet we have no righteousness within us. We we do all these religious things. We go to church. We, we do the church reading plans. We sing the songs, yet there is no righteousness found within us. We do not actually live like Christ. And I think living like Christ, when we read scripture, we understand that we must do justice, love, mercy, or your translation like mine says, if you read in the ESV, love, kindness, and a walk humbly with our God. So that's why we're looking at this. We want to be more like Christ in a world where people um, are killed because of their skin color. 
we must look at the word. Otherwise, we will be found in sin in our responses. So we want our responses to be glorifying to God for the evil and wickedness that we see in the world. So last week we talked about doing justice. Um, so we said spiritually, we pursue righteous righteousness and justice spiritually for each person by preaching about the one who can make us right with himself. So we want to seek justice first spiritually. And I talked about that, that if we do not seek justice spiritually, our means of seeking justice physically, whether that be a protest, whether that be calling um, the, the district attorney, whatever those physical acts may be. If we are not also seeking justice for these persons, um, the offender and the offended spiritually, then our acts physically really are in vain because all of us will stand before God and our sins will be laid before him. And if we are not justified in Christ, we will all be condemned rightly to him so we pursue righteousness and justice spiritually for each person by preaching about the one who can make us right with himself and that is jesus and we pray for salvation for each person by asking god to remove the blindness from their eyes to the light of the glory of christ and i said last week that these things happen because of the sin in this world and then also we seek to do justice physically um, by knowing good from evil. And so the only way we know good from evil is if we pray for wisdom. We within ourselves, if we are led by our flesh, we really don't know what is good and what is evil. And we define good by saying is when we put the needs and the well-being of our brother above ourselves, um, so much so that we deny ourselves. And we said evil is when we step on our brother so that we might seek something selfishly for ourselves. So we must pray for wisdom to to know what is truly good and evil in the Lord's sight. Um, I don't need to know what you think is good and what you think is evil. I need to know what God says is good and what he has said is evil. And we must know the value of every life. I think it's important that we study the Imago Dei. We need to know the value of every life and the beauty in God's uh, most precious creation in mankind. And we must celebrate our differences and eliminate stereotypes. So we should celebrate all skin colors, all eye colors, all hair types, all ethnicities, all people groups, all nations, all languages. We should celebrate what God has created. And we must seek to make every injustice right by thought. And so I ask, do you think justly? And we must seek to make every injustice right by word. And I ask, do you speak justly? And lastly, we, we must seek to make every injustice right by deed. Do you live justly? So all of that will set the tone as we continue our study of Jesus and justice, where we discuss a biblical response to racism and racial prejudices in a post-slavery age. And I just want to say that this is done prayerfully. A lot of study goes into this, like a lot of tears have preceded this. Uh, this is not just something to to promote my voice. I truly want you to hear the voice of God on how we should respond. So I hope in the same way that you would pray for justice and that you would do mercy. So again, we're for the second episode, we're going to be exhorted to love mercy. That's what we see in verse eight. Again, he has told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? And so just like we did last week, we're going to define in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, uh, we're going to do a little word study and then we're going to get into some teaching. And so kindness is in Hebrew is kesed, or you might hear someone say chesed. 
Um, and it's defined as mercy, loyalty, steadfast love, godly action. I want you to write that down. Kindness is a godly action. Goodness and graciousness. Um, and the word mercy I've heard defined before by many people when they're talking about the gospel is when God holds back something that we deserve. So if we read Psalms 23, 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we see in Psalms 23 that the Lord leads us by providing for our basic needs. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So the Lord leads by providing for our basic needs and promoting rest. He restores my soul to paths of righteousness for his namesake. So the Lord not only provides for our basic needs and promotes rest, but he also restores us to himself. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff they comfort me the lord leads us by protecting us from evil and then verse six says surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and so the lord leads by pursuing us in mercy and goodness again this godly action this action that we see first from god and we set out to try to emulate it and then in psalm 109 16 it says for he did not remember to show kindness but pursued the poor and the needy and the brokenhearted to put them to death and a little context this is david um crying out to god talking about his enemies and how he has shown nothing but goodness to them and how they responded to them and he's asking god to basically destroy them like destroy my enemy and this is why he's asking god to destroy his enemy he says for he did not remember to show kindness but pursued the poor and the needy and the broken hearted to put them to death and so from this verse we see that we are unlike god and we are like the wicked when we neglect kindness and instead pursue the worst for the downtrodden so when we when we pursue the poor and the needy and the broken hearted to put them to death we are not like god we are like the wicked and when we do not remember to show kindness we are not like god we are like the wicked then when we go to the new testament kindness is defined as a crestatus uh, and it's defined as goodness and kindness. Again, that word in the Greek. And when we read Romans 2 uh, verse 4, it says God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. That is that is so good. And we're going to talk about that more and more in our section on teaching. So God's kindness rides a desire to see people repent and turn from their wicked ways to follow him. I'll say that again. God's kindness rise a desire to see people repent and turn from their wicked ways to follow him. So why does God offer kindness? Why does God hold back what we deserve? So that we may repent and turn from our wicked ways to follow him. So in the same way, we should desire as we show kindness to see people repent and turn from their wicked ways. Romans eleven twenty two says, note then the kindness and and that conjunction, the severity of God. So, so God can be severe in his actions toward us and he can be kind in his actions toward us. And it says later in the rest of the verse, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise you too will be cut off. And this is in a section where Paul is talking about how in God's kindness, he, he's going to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Although Israel is a chosen people and the Israelites are his chosen people He's going to prove his point to them about how merciful he is by also bringing the gospel to the Gentiles in hope in hope that uh, the Israelite people will be turned to him. And so Paul is, is letting them see that the kind and the, and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in kindness. 
Otherwise, you'll be cut off. So we should desire to see the kindness of God shown to all people and not his severity. So in the same way that we have been given kindness, we should continue in kindness. So not only do we pursue righteousness and justice spiritually and physically, but we also love mercy and strive to live mercifully spiritually and physically. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time uh, diving into some teaching. Uh, I'm going to, again, like I gave a little commentary at the end of the last one, just kind of sharing some thoughts and ideas, things on my heart. And then we're going to close out by praying. So not only do we pursue righteousness and justice spiritually and physically, but we also love mercy and strive to live mercifully, spiritually and physically. So again, just recapping, remember we talked about how we pursue righteousness and justice spiritually for each person by preaching about the one who can make us right with himself. And we pray for salvation for each person by asking God to remove the blindness from their eyes to the light of the glory of Christ. And physically, we desire to know good from evil, pray for wisdom, know the value of every life, celebrate our differences, and seek to make every injustice right by thought, word, and deed. And so we're going to get into... Uh, two different areas of loving mercy. So the first thing is we, we strive, we set out to love mercy spiritually. And I want you to think about love in a sense of showing appreciation or affection for. So we show God our appreciation and affection for the mercy for him holding back what we deserve spiritually first by So we love mercy spiritually by first receiving mercy from the giver of mercy. So we love mercy spiritually by first receiving mercy from the giver of mercy. Due to our sin against God, we all deserve hell, which hell is to be separated from God for all of eternity. It is a night that never has a sunset, a thirst that is never quenched, a suffering and affliction that is never comforted, a hunger that is never satisfied. Ephesians chapter two, verses one through five says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And so we see uh, four, truly eight, but four contrasting ideas on one side. We see four things and on the other side, we'll see four, four things. So first we see that we were dead and we deserved to be dead. It says the wages of sin is death is what Romans tells us. And here it says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, meaning the lifestyle that we live apart from God. And when we reject the perfect relationship God has set out for us, we are dead. And so in us being dead, we followed, followed this world that pursues pride and worthless idols. And not only that, we desired the passions of our flesh. And not only that, we were children of wrath. Like that is the life that sin gives us. Children of wrath, desiring the passions of our flesh that leads us to worthless dead idols. And we are dead. But that's not where the verse ends. It tells us later that we have been made alive, that we follow the one true and living God. We desire justice and righteousness and that we are sons and daughters of the most high king. And this change happens or only happened because of verse five that says, but God being rich in mercy. 
So we love mercy spiritually by first receiving mercy from the giver of mercy. Like you cannot show this godly action if you have not received this godly action. But God is gracious to forgive our sins. If we come humble ourselves before him, God is quick to be merciful to us. And this says it here because of the great love with which he loved us, like God loves you while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us in our mess. He died for us. And this says the same thing because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And so when you do not deserve mercy, you love mercy. So the only answer to this could be for for Christians to not want to show mercy to one another in these types of situations is someone who thought that they deserved mercy, for someone who thinks that they deserve heaven, for someone to think that God um, had great reason to not to condemn them to hell for all of eternity. But when you do not deserve mercy, you love mercy. So not only do we love mercy spiritually by first receiving mercy from the giver of mercy, but we also love mercy spiritually by secondly preaching the gospel and praying for God's mercy over all nations. So there are many people heading for that treacherous idea that I attempted to describe called hell. And it's not just an idea that I just described. And it's not an idea at all. It's a reality. Hell is a real place. And there are many people dead in their trespasses and sins in the world, not just in America. And racist people are dead in their trespasses and sins, and they need to be made alive by God. Racist people are not made alive by intellectually filled discussions on race, peace rallies, or prominent protests alone. People are made alive by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So it's not going to be just you sitting down and having this intellectual conversations about racial history in this country. It's not going to be a peace rally. It's not going to be just a a prominent protest that makes people alive. But it is by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit that racist people will be made alive and they will see their sin for what it is, repent from their sin and trust in Christ for salvation. So again, we seek justice. We want the governing authorities to place the needed offenders uh, to be arrested. I think a lot of times, uh, a lot of non-believers think Christians are all just about mercy and, and all these things, but mercy is, is justice. M- m- love is justice. God is a God of justice. All of his characteristics uh, are intertwined and they work together. He does not lay one down to enact another. So where God is merciful, he is also just. That is why our sins have been laid on Jesus Christ so that he can hold back our wrath. He held back his wrath from us and he poured out his wrath on Christ. So we do. We want the governing authorities to place the needed offenders to be arrested and we want the proper trials and sentencing but we do not want them sentenced to hell. If you have been exonerated from hell by the blood of Christ, then you will desire the same for the police officer who knelt on, on George Floyd. So, so yes, lock him up. But again, we should pray that the chains of his heart would be removed so that he would be made alive. And we should preach the gospel to people like the murderers of George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey. And pray for mercy to be shown to them from the eternal judge. Our cross should be, Lord, hold back what they deserve as you have held back what I deserved. So that is our, our first thing. Is that we love mercy spiritually by first receiving mercy from the giver of mercy. And secondly, by preaching the gospel and praying for God's mercy over all nations. And second big bullet point is we strive to live mercifully physically. 
So first, we strive to live mercifully physically by showing mercy to racist brothers and sisters in the church body. Yeah, I know that that's heavy. We strive to live mercifully physically by showing mercy to racist brothers and sisters in the church body. I just talked about how you respond to those who are not believers. You you pray for them to see God, that they may repent of their racism. But what about those who are in the church that have racism as one of their sins that they struggle with or for the lack of they don't struggle with. They just kind of live in it. So racism is a sin just like any other sin. Just like we have those who have struggles with sexual immorality, lying, stealing, jealousy, and other sins in the church. We should not be surprised when someone in the church body struggles with racism, racial prejudices, or false stereotypes. So fight the urge to remove their salvation with your words because of their lack of effort to fight their sin. Fight the urge to remove their salvation with your words because of their lack of effort to fight their sin. Oftentimes, we say things like, there's no way that they can be racist and be a Christian. Well, if you're going to say that, there's no way that you can struggle with sexual immorality and be a Christian. There's no way that you can be a liar and not be a Christian. And we know that that is not the truth. Um, Many times we talk about our war with our flesh and our war with sin and our war with idols. Um, And so in the same way, we don't want to go that far, although that there are some racist people who are members of churches are not Christians. I'm not going to make the statement to say that generally every racist person is not a Christian. It will be a, a person to person thing. You will know by the rest of their life whether or not they are fighting the sin of racism they are truly pursuing to be like Christ or whether or not um, they are not saved, that they just partake in religion. And so we should seek out uh, church discipline in these situations. So, yeah, we strive to live mercifully physically by showing mercy to racist brothers and sisters in the church body. Yeah, you can make an idol out of your skin color or ethnicity. Your your skin color or ethnicity becomes an idol when the pleasures it affords you is more important than justice and righteousness. So when your white privilege is more important is more important than fighting for justice and righteousness for other peoples and for other situations, that's how you know that your skin color or ethnicity has become an idol. In Romans 1, 24 through 25, it says, Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So when I look at the mountains, I am filled with awe and wonder. I love nature. I love to go hiking. Uh, I I have a, a dream that one day I might be able to go hiking on different mountains and different beautiful landscapes. But when I look at the mountains, I am filled with awe and wonder. And it doesn't drive me to worship the mountains. It drives me to say, wow, look how great these mountains are. How much greater, majestic, and filled with splendor is the creator of these. Yet so many people, when they look at brown skin, a skin shade that God created to his glory, they are filled with pride, glad that they were not made like them. Instead, we should have an even greater response to a person created by God than we do the mountains. For mankind is his greatest creation. So when you see white skin, blonde hair, blue eyes, brown eyes, brown skin, dreadlocks, medium skin, hazel eyes, red hair, or whatever it is, our response should be to be filled with fear and trembling to say, wow, look at him. Look at her. Look at how amazing they were made. How much greater, majestic, and filled with splendor is the creator of these. God has not created us so that we can be filled with pride and tell him that he made a mistake by creating someone with a certain skin shade. He has created all of us to his glory. 
to his glorious praise and his glorious grace. So when I look at another person that God has created, it should drive me to worship, not drive me to worship myself and what my ethnicity and skin tone will afford me. So we must fight against racism towards all peoples of black Americans, Latino, Hispanic, Asian, Korean American, Muslim Americans, immigrants from other nations that are visiting here. And we must fight also against double racism. And this is when the group of people who have experienced racism over time shape racist ideals towards their oppressor. And so I I say this with a softened heart, truly, but a black power movement is not a biblical response to racism and racial prejudices. Um, Putting your fists in the air and the promotion of blackness and the power of blackness to overcome every other ethnicity, that is not a biblical response to racism, racial prejudices. Like you can't even find that in scripture. I don't know how you could back that up and be a Christian. Again, it might not be any Christians who have this, but this ideal can, this can be being shaped in you to my black brothers and sisters in Christ who are listening to this. You might have this being shaped in you, or maybe you're a Latino, Hispanic, Asian, Korean, Muslim, or an immigrant who is a believer in this country. And you have experienced racism from Caucasian or white Americans and you, something in you is being shaped to be racist in response to their racism. And that is not a biblical response. That is not what scripture promotes. So we work for the prosperity of all peoples, but we cannot fall for the law that the prosperity of a certain people group will grant that people more life. So if every black person in America owned a home and had everything they needed, they would still be missing life because life is only found in Christ. So we do, we work for the prosperity of all peoples, but we cannot fall for the law that the prosperity of a certain group will give them life in itself. So we strive to show mercy to racist brothers and sisters in the church body with the local and global mindset by first loving them with steadfast love. We want to show them that steadfast love, that that loyal kindness that God has shown to us. And we want to pray for them to come to repentance. We want to see them turn from their sin and their wicked ways. We want to see them flee from all immorality in their hearts. We want to see their idols destroyed of their ethnicity and racism. And we want to point them to the word. Uh, we don't we don't need to hear our opinions and, and our thoughts. There's good, healthy discussion that needs to be had. But ultimately, we want to filter everything that we say and do through the word. So we want to point them to the word. And we want to remind them of the life that is in Christ. We want them to see like, man, I know that the world or your family or somebody has taught you that life is in racist ideals, but life is only in Christ. Like This sin only leads to death. And we want to participate in heaven-like fellowship. We want to do life together. We want to have real, authentic conversations. Ask yourself, if you're a white American, do you have black friends? And I'm not talking about the one person that you work with that y'all make a glance. I'm saying serious, true, authentic, biblical fellowship, friendship, and relationship. Do you have friends of all people groups? And again, it sometimes it's going to make it difficult, but I'm asking, have you taken steps and taken measures? Have you left your comfort? comfortable state and sought out other people to learn about their lives, to make friends with them. Because Jesus had friends of all peoples, from the poorest of people to the richest of people, from the Samaritans whom the Jews hated to Jewish people. Jesus was friends and he did life with all people. And so you need to think about that for yourself. And if you're uh, a black person in America, do you have white friends? Like, do you have friends of, of other people groups as well? Ask yourself. 
So not only do we participate in heaven-like fellowship, but we also work to mend racial divides, racial inequalities, and we work for equal opportunity. So we want to mend racial divides. We don't want to see different nations, different groups divided because there will not be a black section and a white section in heaven. I know that we had water fountains labeled like that, bathrooms labeled like that, and eating places labeled like that for a good amount of time in our country, but heaven is not divided. Heaven is harmonious and it is a beautiful thing, a beautiful picture of how God has brought us, not only reconciled us to himself, but he has reconciled us to one another. So we want to work to see that reconciliation here. Um, Also, to mend racial inequalities because of any time that you oppress a people, the systems will come along with that. And we want to work for equal equal opportunity for all peoples. Um, And lastly, we want to to learn about different nations and people groups. So, for example, some girls in Africa are forced to stay home from school and work when they're experiencing their menstrual cycle because they do not have access to proper sanitation materials. So from nine to 12 months a year, if their menstrual cycle is perfect, they have to miss school or more. If their menstrual cycle is not perfect, which the average girl does not have a perfect menstrual cycle. So they're forced to miss school because of this inequality, because of this lack of opportunity, because they're not provided simple sanitation materials that we as girls go on Walmart and buy easily with no problem in America. And then the other thing I want you to think about is that some of your only ideals probably about Middle Eastern peoples is from CNN and Fox News. But CNN and Fox News did not create them. So I would encourage you to study their culture. Get to know a Middle Eastern person if you can. Like when we think about learning about different nations and people groups, this this is something good. This is something that glorifies God. In the same way that we study science and nature and we study what God has created, we should study to know different people groups and their cultures to see what God has created. So before my closing thoughts and prayer, just to recap of the titles. We want to love mercy spiritually by first receiving mercy from the giver of mercy and secondly, preaching the gospel and praying for God's mercy over all nations. And we strive to live mercifully physically by showing mercy to racist brothers and sisters in the church body by loving them with steadfast love, praying for them to come to repentance, pointing them to the word, reminding them of the life in Christ, participating in heaven like fellowship, working to mend racial divides, racial inequalities, and working for equal opportunity and learning about different nations and people groups. So just some closing thoughts, then we're going to pray. So we all have a responsibility to not only do justice, but to love mercy. Think about this. If you haven't seen the video, George Floyd yelled out, I cannot breathe. And a man who is not the giver of life took his life away. The anger-filled response is to want the same thing to happen to his oppressor, for him to be on the ground and for someone to kneel on his neck while he yells, I cannot breathe, and then feel, and then be able to feel his body go lifeless. Yet as I read God's word and pray, I know that that is not the godly response. And again, I told you that Jesus and justice is about discussing a biblical response to racism and racial prejudices in a post-slavery age. So I just want to just show empathy and say that I'm here with you. I know the godly response is not ever easy 
because we are not God and we are in sinful flesh. So anything that resembles a godly action will never be easy. So doing justice and loving mercy is not something that we do in the natural. It is something that we do in the supernatural by the power of the Holy Spirit. We leave behind political lines and political divides and false stereotypes and racial prejudices. And we seek to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord and show mercy to the wrongdoer. So only by God's power can we actually have a godly response. I'm just going to speak real and I want you to listen, listen through what I'm saying. To my white brothers and sisters and black brothers and sisters and all peoples who will listen to this. Listen through what I'm saying. To my white brothers and sisters in Christ who are devout supporters of President Trump and his belief to make America great again. And to clarify, this is not political nor a bashing of the president. But I want you to listen through what I'm saying. This is a a way of helping you understand and to learn about other cultures and their experiences. Um, I pray for President Trump, his family, and his relationship with God every single week, along with other government leaders, as God's word has led us to do, so that we as Christians may live in peace. And I just want to say to my white brothers and sisters who support him, I am so glad that you have experienced an America that makes you hope for that it will be great again, whether that be economically, educationally, physically, spiritually, whatever whatever that is that you believe that um, because of his policies and the people that work alongside of him will make America great again. I am so glad that you have experienced an America that can encourage you to hope for that. Uh, I'm glad that America was great for you and your ancestors, your parents, your grandparents, your great grandparents. So once before that you can seek for it to be great again. But I just want to clarify for you, for persons of color, America has never been great and it does not look or feel great to them now. Systemic racism runs so deep that you cannot begin to understand from the housing market to where companies place liquor stores and tobacco stores like systemic racism runs so deep. So please show mercy on us. When our rejection of the president offends you personally and spiritually deep down in your soul, for we have not had the same experience as you. This greatness and privilege that you have lived in, our ancestors hoped for it and never saw that. So we strive to not be on food stamps when you strive to be millionaires. We strive to go to college and be the first graduates of our family when you strive to put your names on the buildings in which we will sit and learn. We strive to buy our first car when you you strive to buy your third or fourth. We strive to buy a home when you have vacation homes. And, And I know that not all these experiences or things that I just talk about apply to every black or white person. Uh, or neither am I, am I saying that I'm speaking for every black person in America either. So don't take my words for every black Christian in America or every black person in general in America. And I don't assume that every white person supports everything that the president does or all of his policies. But I'm saying that if you are one of these people that supports him and you get offended when any African-American person does not support him or when they think that what he does is racist, I just challenge you to lay down your white privilege and begin to listen to things from their perspective. Because like I said, from what I mentioned, America has never been great to most African-Americans and especially not for any on the scale that you probably are perceiving from from what when he says he wants to make America great again. I'm not denying that he wants to do great things for the country, but I'm I'm not sure that I can say that he's going to make it great again, because like I said, for myself and other uh, black persons or persons of color, minorities in America, they have not experienced a great America in their past and even not right now. And it's hard for them to see a future where it's great for them. So show mercy. 
mercy to those who do not support your candidate for whatever reason that it is. Um, and I would just uh, exhort you to not die on the heel of politics and neglect justice for all peoples when politics did not die on the hill at Calvary. Christ did. So scripture does not say take up your cross and follow Trump daily. It says that we are to take up our cross and follow Christ daily. And I would just encourage you all in that again to truly hear out what I just said, to pray about those things in your heart and to seek to live like Christ uh, despite who you follow as a political candidate. And to my black brothers and sisters in Christ who are grieved to see so many supporters of the Make America Great Again idealism campaign, I just want to say I understand. I understand that your ancestors, great-great-grandparents, great-grandparents uh, experienced the chains of slavery, the lynching, beatings, and raping. I know there is nothing great about that, and we do not want that for anyone again. I know that your your grandparents experienced the segregation of schools and the discrimination in the workplace and all that came with uh, black institutions being separated by white institutions. I know your brothers and sisters have experienced police bruta brutality and acts of racism from their fellow man. There is nothing great about that, and we do not want that for anyone again. And the same that I did with my white brothers and sisters, I plead with you that you show mercy to your white brothers and sisters who support President Trump even more. Uh, and I just, I just want to kind of clarify that most likely they're chanting for him based on their past and future experiences and not based on your people's or your personal past or experience. I don't think that we can, again, generally say that every person who supports the president uh, is doubly racist. Um, we can't tie those things together because it, it is, it's a person to person thing. Are, are some people who support President Trump racist? It could be, I don't know. Um, but again, we can't jump to those conclusions, especially not in the body. We, we must be careful, again, like I said, to filter everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do through God's word. If we're going to do justice and love mercy. Now, if you're going to follow the path of Satan, then you you have free reigns to be wicked and evil and whatever you think, whatever you say, and whatever you do. Um, but when we, whatever we think, whatever we say, whatever we do, when we do it all to the glory of God, according to Corinthians, then we have to filter it through God's word. So I ask my white brothers and sisters to show mercy and my black brothers and sisters to show mercy, especially when it comes to politics and this whole idea of making America great again um, and how you feel about that, how you want to respond to people who agree or disagree about that, et cetera, et cetera. Man. Uh, again, thank you for listening in. I know this one's probably a little longer than the other one, but I always, like I said, I love to do word studies and get into God's word and then also do some teachings based on what we learn about scripture and to share some authentic realities for people as well. So let's pray. God, I ask that you purge us of all unrighteous anger. God, open our eyes to the sin of racism in the church. Help us to love our racist neighbor with steadfast love. Even if they spit in our face, may we seek to meet their needs. Even if they seek evil in our lives, may we seek good in theirs. Even if they speak evil against us, may we pray for peace in theirs. Even when they do not repent for their sins, may we repent of our racism and racial prejudice sins in our lives. Lord, help us not just coexist with one another, but help us to do life with one another as friends. Help us to dialogue about past hurts and pain and issue out forgiveness like rain. God, may we be diligent to study your word that it may shape us and not the word of culture. May we see that life is not in our idol of racism. May we uh, think our prominence granted by our skin tone. Uh, may we see 
God as that these things will not grant us peace, satisfaction, and joy. My skin tone and ethnicity will not grant me peace, satisfaction, and joy. God, yet your word tells us that peace, satisfaction, and joy is only in you. May the world see our response to racism in the church and amongst each other and desire to know you because of how we respond and not with anger, God, but with awestruck wonder of a mighty God who has reconciled us to himself and to one another. God, may you be glorified in our love of mercy spiritually and physically. God, grant us wisdom to seek equal opportunity for all peoples and nations. Help us to grow to appreciate all nations, tribes, and tongues on this side of heaven. For heaven will contain some from every nation, tribe, and tongue worshiping you. Lastly, Lord, I ask that you would come. For vengeance is yours. Every injustice, every racist act not caught on video will be made right when you return. For you are a God of justice. You say in Amos to take away from you the noise of our songs, God. May we stop singing and preaching all these things, God. We want to be reformed and have all these theological conversations, yet we neglect justice and righteousness. God, you don't want to hear our songs if we don't seek justice and righteousness. So, God, I pray that we would take away the noise of our songs, God, but we would let justice fall down like waters, like you say in Amos. God, we need justice to rain down in our nation today. God, use your church to make it rain. Amen.